0: Last week I started speaking on We Are No Longer Slaves You know, walking with Jesus I've had periods in my life where it is pure drudgery I'm sorry if you want me to say something different to that but there have been times where life has been difficult and it feels like every step (coughs) is just so, so hard But we are not slaves. We're no longer slaves. We're not. We're free. Galatians says this. It says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Last week I preached really around this verse, uh, two verses. And because you are sons... God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying Abba Father in human terms our everyday language Daddy Papa whatever phraseology that you would use for that intimacy between father and child or the child would use towards the father so you are no longer a slave or no longer a slave but a son and if a son then an heir through God. And I spent my time last week unpacking that whole thing, how we have been chosen, we are adopted, we have been given the privilege of being called the sons and daughters of God, the children of God. And it was what God predestined for creation, I believe. When you read one of the genealogies at the beginning of one of the... Um, gospels and I can never remember which one it is but one of them it might be Luke's it it goes all the way back to Adam at the very beginning and it simply says these words it goes so-and-so begat so-and-so who begat so-and-so who begat and I usually skip the whole lot of that but one year when I was trying to read through the Bible in a year I chose to read the whole history thinking please Lord give me strength And then I got to the very last one, and it said, Adam, the Son of God. Not referring to Christ, the second Adam, referring to the original Adam. Adam, the Son of God. And if that is a truth that is being captured by the Holy Spirit and implanted in that scripture, if for no other reason I had to wade my way through that genealogy, that one phrase I found so liberating, that God has chosen humanity to be sons and daughters of him. That's you and me. Sons and daughters. There's a whole load of people out there that God is wanting to adopt into his family who are saying, no way, Jose, I'm not interested. And yet, that is the intent. And if we were to read in Ephesians, it says, it uses that horrible word that so many arguments uh, over the centuries have been argued about, predestination. But it said that we were predestined, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. And whatever your spiritual, your theological stance on predestination is, this is my take on this passage in Ephesians. The predestined part was for us, humanity, to be adopted as sons and daughters of the living God. Now some people want to make it that God chose some and rejected others and all the rest of it. Don't want to get into that argument, but this verse to me says that we were predestined for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. God wanted humanity to be part of his family and to share in the beauty of what that meant, the walking in the cool of the day and the, the conversation and the relationship that was so easy when God himself breezed into the garden at the end of the day and he wandered round with Adam and Eve and there they were in all naked and exposed in this day and age they, you'd get arrested but then it didn't matter because they had no feelings of shame or guilt about being naked. They were with God and they had this beautiful, intimate and I think that nakedness that is spoken of there isn't for any sexual reference. It is to show the absolute beauty of a relationship where there is no shame and there is no guilt. And I want to tell you, and that's what we were predestined, that is what humanity was predestined for. And it was ruined. And yet God, in his infinite wisdom and mercy, it says that Jesus was crucified before the foundation of the world because God is all-knowing. I don't want to get into the theological things so don't get too hung up if you don't understand what I'm about to say. God is in the eternal. Now he sees beginning from end and beyond. Right? And so he knows ultimately who will respond to him and who will reject him. But that doesn't, I believe, stop him loving people. In fact, it saddens him when people reject him. So, There's this beautiful relationship about being sons. We're no longer slaves. We are sons. Sons and heirs through God himself. Through the death of Jesus. Through the price that was paid for us. The ultimate price. Beyond financial... um, us able to put a financial figure on it. Unbelievable. And so we have that as part of our inheritance. But the truth is, the fact that we are no longer slaves does not mean that we have total freedom. And I don't mean that to make you feel bound up. God loves us as sons and daughters, but even sons and daughters have responsibilities. I think I shared with you—it might have been last week or a couple of weeks ago—that <clears throat> before the Queen died, I—I I was, I, I, in fact, a couple of weeks ago, I was reading the. Lord's Prayer and I came to that place where it says Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven and a picture that came to me was of a, uh, uh, was a real picture that I'd seen on TV before the Queen died when Charles and Camilla and William and Kate and the family all turned up, Harry was there and here is this mother that they speak so fondly of, Mummy as Charles calls her right Um, and their grandmother who they were so fond of William and Harry and yet as they walk into a room it's not like when my grandson turns up although he doesn't do this anymore he's 13 he doesn't want to do it anymore where he used to run up and jump onto my lap none of that they come in And with a complete etiquette, they bow. Son bowing to his mother. Grandson bowing to his mother. Camilla curtsied. Kate curtsied. You see, they have the intimacy of family and yet at the same time they recognise because of the position that Queen Elizabeth held, they recognised that there was an honour that needed to be given. And I want to suggest to you this morning, that's exactly the same for you and me, as people who follow Jesus. And it's not that the monarch, Queen Elizabeth, was waiting to cuff them round the ear hole or anything like that. It was nothing like that, they were just showing total respect and submission to the role, to the, 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 the position that is held. And so whilst we are sons and daughters of the living God, and we have that privilege, we can come to God at any time. We don't have to make an appointment You can be anywhere you like and you can talk to him and you can call on him and the Bible says he will answer us. And so we have that privilege and yet at the same time, we are also subjects of the king. And therefore, whilst we can cry, Abba, Father, Daddy, Papa, we also need to recognise that we are subjects of the king. And being a subject means that we accept the rule and reign that is placed over us. And so, like any coin in your pocket has heads and tails, you might have a favourite when you toss a coin and you get asked to call, and you always call heads because that's your favourite side. But guess what? It doesn't matter how many times you call heads and it lands on heads, there's still a tails on the other side of the coin. It doesn't matter how often we want to bask in the beauty of the fact that we're sons and daughters of the living God. It never takes away the truth that we are subjects of the King. And therefore, He has in our lives authority and power to reign as a King. And we shouldn't forget that. It might sound heavy, that, but it isn't meant in a heavy way. The reality is we have a responsibility to be a subject as well as a son and a daughter. We need that. We need it. The reality for us is... That we are heirs, yes. We are co-heirs with Christ, we are told. We have an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for us. That's in 1 Peter 1.4. In Matthew 25, we see the king. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world there is an inheritance for us to gain. You could look in Galatians 3.29 or Colossians 1.12 and then chapter 3 and verse 24. All these tell us about this beautiful inheritance. Our sonship gives us that hope in our walk with him. Jesus said, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. There's some beauty, but we are still subjects of the King. We build our lives on the fact that we're sons and daughters, and that beauty and that privilege, but we act as subjects. Just like Jesus did. I think it's Mark ten forty five. I haven't written it down, it might not be there, but it says, For the Son of Man came to be served no, didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. In the Garden of Gethsemane Jesus cried out, Lord, if it- Father, if it is possible, take this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done. You see, as a son, he could cry out to his father, Oh, father, if it's at all possible, if it really is possible, could you take this cup from me? I know where I'm going. I know what is about to happen. And if it's at all in your power, will you take this cup from me? Because it is going to be excruciating. But then the subject kicks in as a son. And yet not my will, but yours be done. And that is how we need to learn to live. Both in the privilege of sons and daughters, but also with the responsibility of being a subject. There was a time when being in service was seen as something to be proud of. Many of us will have watched the program Upstairs and Downstairs or Downton Abbey or one of those other, you know, programs. And service in those things was seen in many ways as a privilege because at the end of the day, it would have been so easy to find yourself out in the cold without a job, doing nothing, and actually being in the workhouse. And yet today, service a lot of the time is frowned upon we don't want to be in service we want I want to be careful to be served in some ways I find quite a lot we have a, a, um, a generation of people who want to claim their rights all the time their rights this their rights for that and that which was once done out of service And a sense of vocation is now all dependent on my rights and what I'm entitled to. We see it at the moment. And I'm not making a a statement of whether I agree that whether nurses or train drivers or doctors should have a pay rise, but those jobs of nursing and being a doctor were seen very much as a vocation, and they were seen in that way, and therefore whilst money is nice to have and all the rest of it, it wasn't the, the, the primary driver for people necessarily when they took on those roles. And yet in a society where things change and we now live in a, a world of rights, everybody wants to demand their right. And when one of us demands our right, it, it without intention, means that someone else will go without theirs service of the king I had a friend once called Neville he's died now he's the reason that I am a minister it's the reason I walk with Jesus because he was the only Christian that I couldn't make hate me and I've made quite a few Christians hate me over the years but he was the only Christian who wouldn't hate me, wouldn't write me off as a 16-year-old obnoxious teenager who got his kicks out of making adults cry because he would find their weak point and then he would point it out again and again and again until that person broke. I had a size 63 chip on my shoulder and this man just loves me. And just kept looking at me in the eyes. That was the painful thing for me. And he looked me in the eyes and he'd say, I know you're not really like this. And I'm thinking, I am. And he would be saying, you're not. I know. I've seen the real you. And eventually, despite the fact that I did my best to make this guy hate me, I've got to tell you, he never broke once And he led me to Jesus. Without him, I'd be lost. He served, and I made him pay a lot to see me come to him, to Jesus. But he loved me. He loved me. Powerful when you love And you won't let go. It's made me tenacious with people. And I won't let go. A man who served his master, not based on his rights, but based on the fact that Jesus asked him to love, not just his friends, but his enemies. And I tried to be his enemy for a long time. But eventually love wins. Love wins. Service. Being subject to. You know, it's so easy to carry unforgiveness. It's so easy to carry bitterness and hurt. It is so easy because it's not going my way to opt out and to feel that you're justified but I've got to tell you we are never justified in that because we are called to be subjects of the king Jesus when he hung on Calvary cried out and I think this is probably one of the most powerful verses in scripture remember he's hanging on a wooden cross nail pierced feet and hands in pain suffering and he cries out father forgive them for they know not what they do at the ultimate pain and sacrifice he cried out father forgive them If that table teaches me anything, it teaches me of his right to be my king because of the way in which he cried out for me 2,000 years later, Father, forgive him for he knows not what he is doing. Seriously, people, We have the privilege of sonship and daughtership, but we have the responsibility as subjects. I could spend ages saying, what does this mean for us in our everyday life? Well, I think it's best summed up by Jesus himself. He says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. In other words, you'll never enter and come under that rule and reign. He then goes on, he talks about salt and being salt and light. And that's our calling, to be salt and light. And that's not necessarily burdensome. It is if we want to make it that way, because we have the ability to submit and be, or to resist and say, I won't. God lovingly looks on and encourages us to say yes to him. Because when we say yes to him, we come under the umbrella of his protection. Does that mean I'll never have anything go wrong in my life? No. But I will always have somebody who's walking with me. Always. So the privilege of sons and daughters, but the responsibilities as subjects. He is our king, our master, our Lord. Yes, he is a friend. He is a brother. But ultimately, he is still our king. Harry has a brother. His name is William. But one day, Harry will have to acknowledge his brother is king. We need to acknowledge that Jesus is king. We used to sing a song, Jesus is king and I will extol him. Give him the honour and glory his name. He reigns on high, enthroned in the heavens. Is it word of the Father exalted for us? Beautiful song. I've got to say to you, that is who he is for us. Jesus is king we will extol him how do we extol him by not just being a son and daughter but by being a subject it means more than mental assent it means living out that which we're asked to what are we asked to live out be salt and light love God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. And that's tough. Who is my neighbour, the man asked Jesus. And he tells him a parable. He tells him a parable about someone who should have been predisposed to helping and wasn't. And then the one who you would expect to walk by on the other side picks up the man who had been beaten and battered, anoints him with oil, puts him on his donkey, takes him to an inn, pays for his care, restores him. When what was so powerful about that, it was a Samaritan and a Jew... Arch enemies. The rabbi walked by, the vicar walked by on the other side. Oh, I'm not getting involved here. Then one of the elders or deacons walked by on the other side. Oh, that's a bit too heavy for me. I ain't getting involved with that. And then here is this man who should hate, and he comes over and he just loves the guy. Bless you. <coughs> Privilege of sonship, Abba Father, Daddy, Papa, and the responsibility of being a subject. Let's pray. Father God, <clears throat> I love it that we're no longer slaves. I really do. I love it that we're no longer slaves. But I never ever want to take for granted the fact that I am your subject. And Lord, even when the times I'm wrestling and I'm arguing with you about things, Father God, deep inside of me, I want to bow the knee. So I'm asking you to help me to live in that place as a subject of the King. Lord, will you help us? Will you show us, Lord, the immense privilege we have as sons and daughters, but at the same time, Will you constantly remind us that it's not our will, not our way, but yours be done. So as we go into this week, Father, I pray that we might know that truth as we walk in our everyday life. Even in those difficult circumstances like Martin shared this morning. Let us pray. Lord, not our will, but your will be done in this situation. You be Lord in this situation in our lives. So help us, Lord, for we ask it in your name. Amen.